0: Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So, uh, who, who are you? If I were to ask you the question, who are you? What kind of an answer are you conjuring up in your mind if you had to answer that question? Who are you? The uh, the, the show tonight is I'm very excited for it because I, I want to know who are you? The the idea that we're a we're a identity an ego a personality I am Les Jensen dun da dun dun um, that that might be who not my name but your name that might have been what you came up with when I asked who are you but the context of the of your answer is kinda what we're poking at with the show tonight because who were you in your previous lifetime? Who were you then? Were you the same gender? Did you live in the same country? Did you have the same life purpose? What about the lifetime before that? Who was that personality? If we could make a portal and leap back a lifetime or three and go visit your soul, incarnate as somebody else, and then we ask that somebody else, well, who are you? We're going to get a completely different answer. Same soul, completely different answer. So... Uh, Who who are you? Does that change the context in which you see yourself? So what if something, uh, what am I getting at here? We get a, we get a, like a master reset when we when we cycle out of one lifetime and into another i mean you can bugger this lifetime up a lot it doesn't mean you won't create a karmic momentum in the next lifetime but you in the next lifetime you have a new body you, you have a as we've talked about many times the day you're born you don't have an ego So you have an opportunity to grow a whole new personality, brand spanking new personality. Well, who would that be? So to, to take a step back and look at who you are over a span of many, many lifetimes, I think can be a very powerful thing. I think once you noodle that around a bit, and then you come back into this lifetime to who quote you unquote who you are in this lifetime, your personality in this lifetime. Who can you um, who can you become? I don't like the idea of you should or this or that or I mean sometimes I use metrics that suggest that the Western mind is the measuring stick. Well, what have you accomplished? I'm not in, uh, that's not what I'm getting at here. I'm getting at you as a soul personified in this lifetime now. If you were to really understand who you are at the soul level, I promise you, the more you look at this lifetime from your soul's perspective, the potential of your future would expand dramatically. The potential of your future would expand dramatically. And if you allowed that to happen, who would you become in this lifetime? Who would you become in this lifetime? Well, enough of that, because... We need some time tonight because we're going to have a great conversation. The topic tonight is to dance with Dakini's. And our guest tonight returning to the show is Dina Merriam. To dance with Dakini's is the name of her latest book. And in this book, she talks about Um, multiple lifetimes. Let's get to it. Dina began working in the interfaith movement in the late 1990s and served as vice chair of the Millennium World Peace Summit of Religious and Spiritual Leaders held at the United Nations in New York in 2000. She subsequently convened a meeting of women, religious and spiritual leaders in Geneva. And from that gathering, founded the Global Peace Initiative of Women in 2002. In 2008, she was one of the founding members of the Contemplative Alliance which later became a program of GPIW. For over 40 years, uh, GPIW is Global Peace Initiative of Women. For over 40 years, she has been a practitioner of meditation. Dina received her master's degree from Columbia University and has served on numerous boards. She is currently the chair of the International Advisory Council of the aroville foundation in india you can learn more at dinamiriam.com join me in welcoming dina back to the show dina it's so nice having you back on the show
1: thank you les it's a pleasure to be here again
0: so how are you doing this lifetime <laughs>
1: Well, as you said, I finished a new book, and it was so appropriate that you opened this uh, this conversation with the question of, who are you? <laughs> because the subtitle of my book, To Dance with Dakinis, and Dakinis are uh, kind of celestial female figures, uh, and the subtitle of it is In Search of Self. So that question really... Uh, permeates the whole book who are we and there's there's one incident where there's a woman with her teacher and the teacher just turns to her out of the blue and says who are you like you asked the audience and the te- the student is kind of stunned and she you know thinks the teacher forgot who she was so she states her name i'm so-and-so teacher shakes her head and then she goes from goes further and says where she's from you know, what her family is, what their work is, blah, blah, blah. And the teacher keeps shaking her head. She goes through all (laughs) the things that you would identify about yourself, what your work is and your family connections and blah, blah, blah. And the teacher keeps shaking her. And finally the teacher says, you're going to go into that hut until you find out who you are. (laughs) And she stays in that hut. And she remembers all of her past lives, and then she gets very confused. Well, who, who am I then? I was this one, and I was that one, and, and that one, and another one. And and then she realized that she's part of the totality of it all. The teacher calls her back and says, now you know who you are.
0: Now you can start living. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... it's uh like we were just talking a little bit before the show, it's a a really powerful time. I mean, we're in such deep, uh, dramatic change uh, in the collective consciousness that I think a lot of our souls saw this, perhaps saw this dynamic coming before we were even born and chose a life path, a life purpose, perhaps, that um, has us moving into uh, a change individually. In, in other words, um, a lot of the the structures, the mechanisms, education, academics, medicine, whatever of the past, maybe maybe the audience has spent 30, 40 years in academics or medicine or whatever. And here we come into this uh, turmoil, the karmic cart got tipped over, so to speak. And a lot of us, from a soul level, are intending to change the the literal fabric of these uh, aspects of our society, academics, whatever. And we are the vehicle of that change. I, I think your book is very timely about helping people understand from that soul's perspective. What what brought you to write a book to, to take a step back and look at? Uh, well, actually, let's start off with uh, the 2,000-foot view of what the book is about.
1: Well, the book takes place and uh, begins in 12th century Tibet, and and you asked me what led me to write the book. This is my fifth book, and as a writer, all I can write about it are my experiences, what what I experienced, and what I've insights I've gained from those experiences. So when I I had no intention of writing the book, it wasn't like oh I'm going to write a book on 12th century Tibet. I began to have memories, and in the introduction, I talk about how these memories were awakened. Um, and I was surprised to find myself in twelfth century tibet. i've I've have known and worked with a lot of people who have an affiliation with Tibetan Buddhism, but my that's not my path. But I found myself in the you know, remembering a life in twelfth century Tibet. That was a pivotal life for me uh, because of the teachings that came to me, the people that I met, the search that sort of was accelerated at that time and in the, in in the remembering of a life in Tibet as that personality, I also remembered the previous life and the successive life. So there are three successive lives: from the life before Tibet goes back into medieval France, the life after Tibet goes back into India, thirteenth century India. So I was able to see how unfinished business from one life carries into the next. It's really like a series, you know, like you have a series on TV <laughs>
0: and right. each week there's right. a different episode. Mm-hmm.
1: That's very much the way it is. It, things carry over and um, it, it, it's, 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 there's much more continuity than one would think. Uh, um, you know, people that you have unfinished business with, well, you come together to finish that business. Uh, aspirations or things that you wanted to do that you couldn't do well you get out new opportunities to do those things Uh, and so it's very beautiful when you can step back and see that these are really deeply interconnected and it all makes sense there's nothing arbitrary about it it's not like oh you just appear here for no reason at all everything makes
0: sense nice well, the notion of unfinished business. I mean, let's let's put some context around that because I think a lot of times, um, I, well, I'll speak for myself. I have some very prominent personalities in in this lifetime and in the you know several maybe many decades ago. Um, when I, I didn't have a proper perspective to understand it, I felt like I was in this slow motion train wreck. And and over time, I've been able to look at it and look at it and look at it. And it's like, well, damn, this this train wreck is actually a, a gigantic alarm clock to ensure that I wake up. And now I look at who might have I might have cast as a, quote, villain, unquote, when I was going through the train wreck, and I see them now as a very, very powerful soul contract um, mirror to myself in this lifetime. So when you talk about um, have a lifetime having unfinished business, can you put some context to that in so the reader might be able to recognize that aspect of themselves in this lifetime?
1: Well, you know, if if um it, it can happen in relationships, it can happen in, in in work, uh it can happen in just uh sort of like internal struggles. Um so in the example that I, uh, that I give in the book, here's a woman that she's struggling between two faith traditions that she was exposed to as a child. She doesn't understand that they lead to the same place. And so, which one is she? Her mother was this, her father was that. She struggles through much of her life about finding her place between these two traditions. In remembering her previous birth, she realizes she had that same struggle trying to find a place with, and, 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 and struggling between two traditions. But in her life in Tibet, she resolves that. So, and then in the successive life, the third life, it's not an issue anymore. It's just a non-issue for her. So she had two lifetimes of trying to work through this, um, this, this tug of war, sort of, between two uh, faith traditions that were calling to her. And she couldn't reconcile them. But finally she does, and then it, it no longer is an issue for her going into the future. So that's one, one way in which we resolve things, internal conflicts or things that we struggle with. Another way is in relationships. The woman in Tibet had a beautiful marriage, loving relationship with her husband, but going back into her previous life, she saw that she knew him, and he, they were unable to be together. And she struggled with that. Of course she couldn't see that they were gonna to be together in their next life, so it was she really went through a lot of struggle about that. But then again, in her next life they have a happy relationship. If she could have seen ahead, she would have relaxed a little bit and said, Okay, I don't get to be with him in this life, but I will in the next
0: Right. Well That's now, how it works. So if if uh if people are like the example you gave where the guru asked who are who are you?" so many times we get kind of caught up in this lifetime, and a hundred percent of our our awareness perception, whatever is in this lifetime when you look at the the continuity of lifetime, so to speak the um what are some of the elements that can help us kind of take the pressure off? I mean, so many um, people on this planet, some of them are having a really tough time because there's so much change in upheaval. people. How can the soul's perspective, you know, that broader view help us if we're kind of entrenched in just this single lifetime?
1: Well, I think, I think, in order to see everything that comes to you as an opportunity for growth. Now, growth is never easy. Growth always means that you sort of struggle to get to a, a, a better place, a place of wider vision, a place of deeper understanding. But that comes through effort. It's not like you wake up one day and it's, you have that deeper understanding. It comes through effort. And, and I think that everything that comes to us in our life, people have the, the mistaken view of karma as a system of reward and punishment. That's a very Western view in the Abrahamic traditions. Oh, there's God up there who's rewarding you and punishing you. That's not, that's not the law of cause and effect. The law of cause and effect is about evolution and growth, uh, providing opportunities for you to gain an understanding and overcome Things that are hindering you. So it's about opportunity, and if you, you know, don't see that opportunity or don't take advantage of that opportunity, you have another opportunity. We keep getting these opportunities so that we can um, you know, learn the lessons we need to do the lessons of of you know being nonjudgmental. Uh, being kind and compassionate, non-reactive to people. In other words, if somebody you know, gives you a hard time not wanting to seek revenge or anger, falling into anger, but just uh, keeping your center. We, we all get opportunities. And so when people see sort of the uh, uh, dysfunction around us today, the disarray, the polarization, the anger and everything, it's really important that we keep our center, that we don't get overwhelmed by it and you have to do whatever helps you to stay centered and not get overwhelmed not get negative not put more add more fuel to the fire add more negativity to the negativity that's already out there but rather counter that negativity with positive
0: energy nice well the idea of um, being centered um, you can talk to somebody, and from the outside perspective, you might recognize that they're really quite biased, they're really kind of um, skewed, so to speak, and they're not centered at all, but if you listen to them talk, they'd swear that they are centered, and they are, you know, um, uh, ohm-centered, how how can, What's a measuring stick to tell if we're truly centered or if we got some um, some work to do with that?
1: If we're not triggered, if we're not reactive. In other words, if you're getting into um, a discussion with someone about a sensitive subject, it could be politics, it could be any kind of sensitive subject, and you really get angry at that person. They have a different point of view. Well, then you know you're you're being triggered and we, it happens to all of us, but I think the goal is not to let your inner peace be disturbed by anything external, by anything that's going on. You know, uh, um,
0: you know, whether it's
1: the, and that's that's our that's a challenge for all of us. You know, we think we can we can <laughs> be fine about one thing, then something else happens, and we we get thrown off balance. And I think it's just we have to uh, keep. Being more and more conscious of of um, the need to stay centered and and not to get thrown off off
0: off balance. Well, and and I agree with you. The uh, but the what, what do I want to say? New improved atrocities are showing up in the news all the time how do we reconcile when when we see just horrendous stuff going on on the planet um do do we do you become cold-hearted to it or i mean how do you not get triggered from some of the barbaric stuff that's happening on this planet
1: well i i I think i think um I mean, compassion, you know, how it, it doesn't mean that you don't feel the pain of it. Uh, you can feel the pain of it um, and and still be, it's a delicate balance. You can feel the pain of it and still keep a peaceful attitude inside. I mean, the witnessing that's going on, it's like, you know, I, I shake my head and say, human stupidity, what is this all about? <laughs> so many people are, are suffering, and what is and who's going to win in the end? It's a pyrrhic victory. Nobody's going to win. Nobody wins these things. Everybody suffers, and yet, and yet, um, we continue to behave in this way. And you know, we talked earlier before the show began about we're at an evolutionary moment where we have to evolve and find new ways of dealing with problems. You know, I mean, all the problems, there are multiple, it's not just one set of problems. We've got the the horrible wars and the horrible weapons. We've got the uh, gun violence in this country and in schools. We've got the climate change. We've got environmental issues. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, and you can get easily get um, uh, depressed and overwhelmed, but that's not, that's the challenge, not to fall into the negative energy. Because we're not helping, how does that help anything? We're actually adding to the fuel right. to the fire. So to keep ourselves, you know, I, I um, for example, was talking to a friend today. Lives in Ramallah, Palestine, and she was. She's a very joyful person, and she was able to laugh despite the pain of what's going, what's happening. And she's a very balanced person and sees both sides of the equation. I mean, she's not an angry person by any means, um, but she was able to maintain her center through the whole thing. I mean, in speaking to her, I I felt that she was very, very centered and sees the craziness going around and just can't make sense of it, but says, you know, um, she's not going to lose her center and add fuel to the fire, you know. She has compassion toward all. And that's what we're we're called to, to, to do now, really. To have um, compassion because there's suffering everywhere, you know. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's suffering everywhere, you know. And and it's how do we how do we evolve to a new state where we can get rid of the anger and hate? Get rid of the anger and hate, you know. I mean, protesting in anger doesn't help anything. Anger, anger is is not a, it does not lead to a solution. Anger leads to more reaction. And so, you, you know, getting to the place beyond anger where you can begin to at least envision a future that's different. And I think we all have to begin to envision a future that's different.
0: Right. Well, the I like to look at it as so I see some God-awful thing in uh, uh, I I don't use emotional words so I'll, I'll say, wow isn't that curious what would motivate how far off in the woods how deep down in the suffering does a personality have to be to do what I'm observing I mean, how far away from source consciousness so to speak, how far out in the woods it's beyond <laughs>
1: You can't but, even you can't even call it bestial because animals don't do this. Animals don't create the kind of harm and pain that
0: humans do. But, but we have you know they,
1: have, they they kill to eat or to protect their young. That's what they do.
0: <laughs> and and we have fierce and with capital letters fierce free will, free will, um and and that that same free will is what. Gives us our power too, but we have such fierce free will that we can go off into the darkest of the dark, and obviously we have. And so, I I really liked uh, um, you had mentioned we were talking about we're at a, a precipice, a pivot point of humanity, and and right now we're pivoting, so to speak, to our our future dynamic. How do, you, how do you look at, at uh, the? here we are as individuals, you and me and the listeners, and, and we're, we're pivoting in our individual lives and we're pivoting in the collective and the future is before us. How do you look at us in, as individuals as the mechanism behind the change of humanity as a collective?
1: But well, as we raise our own consciousness, which is why, in a way, we have a responsibility not just to ourselves, you know, I say S- stay centered just for your own sanity, but it's beyond that because we all affect the whole. Every one of us has an impact on the collective. And we have a responsibility to lift, to, to, to raise the consciousness of the collective. You know, we all contribute. A little, little bit, a lot of little bits add to a lot. So I think that what's going to really change the consciousness is the whole spiritual movement, you know, spiritual practice in whichever way people are doing it. There's so many ways now, meditation and prayer, whatever, many, many uh, uh, ways to express this spiritual energy. Uh, I think that is that that community of people who are, practicing some kind of spiritual uh, uh, um, practice will collectively have an impact at some point. When that point will be, we don't know, five years, 10 years, 50 years, when there'll be enough people who have gained uh, uh, some kind of deep insight through their practice where they really are affecting the whole, you know, it's the hundredth monkey.
0: Right. There's
1: a science to it. The hundredth monkey. Once the hundredth monkey learns a, learns a technique, all the monkeys get it automatically.
0: And we've we've really been hand, uh handed uh, a very very powerful dynamic here in that in 2019, which isn't that long ago, um, we all had quote normal lives unquote. <laughs> we we had. Uh, we had a kind of a, a static uh, experience year to year 2018 2019 normal 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 so to speak and and then the tar the cart tipped over and the normal got splashed out on the ground and we're, we we had the opportunity to reconstruct a completely new normal i like the idea of of what we're talking about here, in search of self, that soul perspective. Because if I'm a if I'm a soldier in battle, and my whole life has been in the trenches, so to speak, in this karmic tsunami on planet Earth, it might be difficult for me to to open up my mind, open up my imagination, open up my Vision, perhaps, of what the future can be, and and stepping out of this lifetime, whatever it's been up to this moment for all of us, to kind of step out and and take the soul's perspective, that that affords us really a uh, a much more vast and and um, uh, an, an ability to bring a whole new dynamic that might not have existed in the past many centuries
1: well i think that's true i think that that um i mean definitely there's, there's a growing people growing community of people who are thinking this way and you know talk about the need for for a, a radical change and i i i think we're at the birth pangs of it i think it's 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 already Things formulate really at the level of ideas before they manifest physically. And I think that already people are talking about it and, and thinking about it and and um know that we have to make a lot of changes. Uh in the way that we treat each other, the way we treat the natural world. I mean we can't go on destroying the, the earth or, or or I mean or what. <laughs> so, um but 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 when that really translates into a collective behavior that's the tipping point when is that tipping point you know the climate scientists talking about a tipping point i talk about a, i think of a spiritual tipping point when is the spiritual tipping point where suddenly things, things the consciousness is different
0: well the to to um rec- i think for us as individuals for us to recognize when we are getting triggered, when we're um, when we have unresolved um, in uh, karmic charge or a karmic disposition in our persona, to to become mindful of ourselves, because like you say, you you can't go and protest violence without perpetuating violence. Whatever we put our attention on expands regardless of if we think we're helping it or not it to to uh become more mindful of ourselves and recognize when we ourselves get triggered and have a perhaps an emotional or a belief system reaction that that keeps us stuck in a like a rut so to speak in this repetitive patterning if if we're gonna in the collective have the ability to to traverse out of the old patterns, we need to recognize them in ourselves, don't you think
1: oh absolutely i I think that we have to um, you know begin to to embody the the new consciousness that we want to see manifested, and the more of us who do that, the quicker we're going to see it sort of catch on and 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 spread and I think you know, we get opportunities every day to do that. I mean, one opportunity is this non-reactive thing that we talked about, no matter what's going on. I know my guru always said, my guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, always said you have to be able to stand firm um, amid the crash of breaking worlds. If everything's going wrong around you, you, you can't fall apart. You know, you have to have a strong enough spiritual center that no matter what's going on in the world around you, you are like a rock. It doesn't, doesn't mean your your heart is not moved. Your heart can be moved, but you're not falling, not falling apart. You know, you're able to maintain your 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 peace of mind and your center.
0: You know, as as you were saying that, I I got the uh, the hit of uh, Gandhi, because Gandhi was such a flippin rock star in that um so india's there and the british uh, commonwealth show up and like we're gonna colonize you and they bring an army and and the default reactive behavior of nations is to fight an army with an army to and so had india brought an army to meet the british army there would have been a war perhaps the brits won and then in the traditional narrative okay the brits won it's now the british commonwealth and gandhi right. was so brilliant to to say i don't want an india in war i want an india in peace so i'm going right. to keep my consciousness in peace and that was a very difficult thing to do Hold but, you that. know,
1: uh, he's done, he did a lot of spiritual practice. He was kept silence one day a week, uh, did meditation. I mean, he did a lot of spiritual practice in order to be able to do what he did. And I think that's, that's sort of the calling. I mean, if we want to really see change in this world, we have to take up practices that really enable us to be, you know, Firm and unmovable and clear and not reactive and you know persistent I mean Gandhi didn't give up you know many times when he could have given up, but he didn't
0: right well the I think the 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 perspective of the soul can help us as our little selves i mean w- when we back up and and perceive our Perceive the dynamic of this life now and the chaos of this lifetime now When we can see it from the soul's perspective It it takes it's less personal. I guess I would say it's like okay in this lifetime We're going through the karmic, you know uh, ringer And and yet I know there's other lifetimes before and after this that are not composed of this chaos And so from that soul perspective, it's like, okay, I can, I can step out of my ego, perhaps. And, and because so many times, uh, I've worked in television now for 40 plus years. And, and the idea of using that, that medium as to sit there and trigger you emotionally over and over and over again, to put up, um, images and whatnot that tend to promote an emotional response to be able to like gandhi did i mean there's plenty of opportunities for him to be emotionally perhaps crushed by what he's observing because the the brits were not very graceful and and to observe uh perhaps very painful stuff but but still be, um be centered that that's really i i suggest how we as individuals can, um, can if we want uh, to break
1: the cycle if we want to you know be able to uh, break into some kind of better place we have to we have to break the cycle we have to break the cycle i mean i I want to add that, that there's ultimate justice in the universe through, through the law of cause and effect. You know, our our, our justice is imperfect, but the cosmic justice uh, works. You know, mechanically. I mean, it works mathematically. I should say, it's it's a, you know it's it's infallible. Right. And so. And so, if we can just trust that, and trust that the universe. Sort of does balance balance things out in its own way and its own time. It may not be our time, but it's it, there is a, a um, sort of like a, a rhythm to how the universe balances balances out uh, uh, all 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 deeds through the law
0: of cause and effect. Right. Well, and and I really like. I mean, in your. Um, introduction um, um, the global peace initiative for women and and contemplative alliance I mean you've you've been immersed in um, you uh served as a vice chair of the Millennium World Peace Summit of religious and spiritual leaders at the United Nations you're immersed in a lot of this narrative on a very, very big level, on a global level. Do you see, um, from that perspective, do you see change in the collective?
1: Oh, I, 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 I mean, I see change over the course of my lifetime. Definitely I see change over the course of my lifetime. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, and I think, you know, if you look carefully, there's a lot of change you know, in terms of the consciousness, when I first started meditating in the, you know, many, many years ago, it, people, I couldn't talk about it openly. It was like you had to be a closet meditator. It was looked upon as very weird. I've been a vegetarian for my life. Like that was looked upon as being very weird. People would think you're sickly or something. There were a lot of things that you, you couldn't really talk about openly a few decades ago that now are mainstream, completely mainstream. You know, you could people use karma even in the business context. You know, so I I think that the, the, some of these spiritual concepts that were looked upon as um, as as strange a few decades ago are, are understood by a growing number of people. Even the idea of rebirth. I mean, more and more people have glimpses of, of the past, or at least have a, um, a, a the knowledge that they had a past. You know, and I think that changes your whole perspective. Perspective, knowing that you you didn't come out of nowhere, but you've got a a long history behind you and a long future ahead of you. Uh, you came from somewhere and you're going somewhere. <laughs> so, I think all these concepts are are becoming much more part of people's everyday thinking. And that's and that's that's very different. I mean, you know, the, the question is always again the hundredth monkey when. When will enough people uh, understand these things so that it just becomes general knowledge among the human community? I, I think we'll we'll approach that, you know, in a, a, a reasonable period of time.
0: Well, even just this podcast and in this platform, for us to even have this conversation decades ago is <laughs> wouldn't have happened that's right and now there's hundreds if not thousands of spiritually oriented podcasts growing every day and i think the the power of the human consciousness the human beings the power of the human consciousness because never ever has a glowing deity come from the skies and wave a wand and stop the wars it's always been through the human persona that change has happened on the planet and so if the human personas has access to conversations like this um i think we're going to see a very rapid change in the collective through our own human personas
1: i i think that that the the purpose of that is that we're here to grow I mean, that's the purpose of our life is to really spiritually evolve and grow so that each lifetime there's a deeper understanding and and a wider perspective than the previous one. We want each one to be, you know, more aware um, that, than, than the previous one. So life is all about growth. It's all about spiritual growth.
0: And that and that's moving through the challenges that growth that growth itself is is to traverse through the challenge because we can't stick our we we can't really put our head in the sand metaphorically and grow we just can't no
1: <laughs> you stay still you'll, you'll you know, your you you plateau
0: can your will be sticking up i mean you know <laughs> That's always a risk. I mean,
1: it's the same thing as like you can't you can't run away from your challenges. You know, you you might try to, but they'll keep coming they'll they'll, be, they'll chase after you. You know, ultimately you have to face you know your challenges because you want to move beyond them.
0: So, if we whatever look at they that, are, you
1: want to move beyond
0: them. Right. So, if we look at the cause and effect mechanism, and and here we are um, traversing change in in this lifetime. How do we shift the uh, the effect? In other words, how do we open up our uh, the the possibilities of our future? We kind of have to come to terms with the cause side of the equation to. To give us a broader opportunity to have an effect, if that makes sense. How do how do we how do we um, work with that mechanism to expand our potential of what the future might be?
1: Well, if we know that our past created our current conditions, then our our current our current patterns of thinking and behavior are setting the the blueprint for the future. So it's introspection is important, along with some kind of spiritual practice, whether it's meditation or prayer. introspection, what are the patterns you want to change? What are the patterns that are helpful? What are the patterns of thinking behavior that that hinder you you know do do you are you very critical? are you judgmental of people? do you get angry quickly? Um, you know everybody has has different weaknesses that they need to work on uh, are very individualistic but the sooner you work on them the sooner you'll have a future where those things don't bother you anymore i mean the more likely you are to have a future where those things are not not an issue anymore but if you say you're a critical person and you're always criticizing other people and you just accept that and don't do anything about it well you have a you have, you're have you setting a pattern that's going to probably follow you into the future, and at some time it's going to cause you trouble. So it's our patterns of thinking that we really have to sort of watch. Are you a person that forgives or holds grudges? Are you a person that's resentful? I mean, you've, you've, introspection is really important to look at the things that you want to change about yourself so that you don't carry those patterns of thinking into the future.
0: And we're not, we're not really here alone. There's, um, there's spiritual guides. Uh, you talked about the, Dakinis. um, that we have access to, to wisdom through, through the spiritual, um, I don't know what to call them in this moment. Um, it's like I mean,
1: all of us in the book to dance of Stichinis, um there are many teachers and guides that that come through that book, and all of us have uh, they may be incarnated or they may not be incarnated they may be in another realm uh but the, there are the veils between the realms are really quite thin and 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 can be crossed, and there we all have you know. How many, everybody's had the experience where they had a near accident and somehow miraculously they were, something came, they were saved. I mean, we have these, if you look at your daily life, there are many, many, these minor interventions (laughs) where you're spared something and you don't think anything of it. You just, uh, you know, sigh in relief and move on. But we all have, you know, guides, people that we're connected to who are in another place in another realm uh, but who are working with us to help us along our journey
0: and from their perspective they can help guide us out of our perhaps narrow-minded or ignorance from our ego's perspective
1: Uh, there's a lot they have a lot of patience that's my experience (laughs) a lot of patience with us and you know if we if we make the same mistake over and over again well at some point we won't make that mistake you know there's no judgment involved it's just we, every we each evolve at our own pace and that's fine we have our own individual journey and our own pace of awakening right eventually we'll all get there
0: yep very nice well an hour can go by pretty fast I want to make sure that the audience knows about your books. Tell us about all of your books and your website and if there's any uh, modalities or whatnot that the audience might be interested in.
1: Well, I've got five books, and they're all on Amazon. My first book is, um, and they're in bookstores as well, my first book is My Journey Through Time, where I, I talk about how these memories came to me uh, of, of my previous life and then the one previous to that, and how, how these uh, connections work. The most recent book is uh, To Dance with Bikinis in Search of Self, which takes place, as I said, in 12th century Tibet. There's a lot about Tibetan there. Tibet, Tibet's an important place to me. It's become more important since I wrote the book. And I have a Facebook page called Dina Merriam Writes, where I do book readings. Maybe every six weeks I'll do a book reading, but I do um, post things on that site. My organization for the peace work uh, is called, the name of the organization is the Global Peace Initiative of Women. It's org. And there's a website and a face page for, for GPIW uh, where we um, do online, online um, programs as well as other kinds of in-person meetings. But there's a lot of information on the website and on the Facebook page. And so I have sort of two roles, one as the uh, working on global issues, whether it's peace building or climate issues, And the other is my writing, which is what I'm spending more and more time doing now, um, in the hope that it helps awaken memories in my readers. And many people have told me that by reading my books, their own memories have been awakened.
0: And that's that's one of my goals. Well, Well, very nice. So do you have any closing thoughts for our audience?
1: Well, there's, there's a lot to be said. I think one of the things I've learned um, from writing my books is, is to overcome my fear of death and to know that there is no ending. It's just a continuation. And to, 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 um, to sort of tear down the veil that separates those other worlds from our physical embodied forms. And also to know that love is the foundation and when there's been love in one life it carry, it does it carries over those we've been uh, f- at powerful love relationships from a thousand years ago could still be living presences uh, in our in our consciousness and so love is a very powerful perhaps the most powerful force in the universe and i think that's something that we the next stage of our evolution <laughs> hopefully will be around that uh, trying to bring more love into, into, into this world. Love not just for the humans, the community, but for Earth herself and for all of life creatures, uh, Earth's creatures. So, so I think, in, especially in these times of, of um, instability and uncertainty, um, try, whatever we can do to help us remain centered and firm and joyful joyful because there is a lot of joy in the world There's pain and there's joy and we shouldn't only be uh, f- focusing on on the suffering and and the the um the the struggles but but on the on the joy that also exists it's it's, it's always a balance that's the world is sort of propelled by by polar- polarity uh um but there has to be a balance and so to to um to maintain uh, uh, the consciousness of the joy, I think is one of the teachings of our moment.
0: Well, very nice. Uh, Dina, I want to thank you for being our guest yet again. I very much appreciate having you on the show. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Me too, and thank you. We've been talking to Dina and Miriam, and the topic tonight is the name of her latest book, To Dance with Bacchinis in Search of Self. What a what a fun conversation. I mean you could you could really hear her experience e- even on the global scale. And that I I really appreciate what she brought to the conversation. You know, it's uh We've we've talked so many times about the human potential, the human persona. If uh, if you're um, typically our egos cannot well, I think every time it's a, I guess I could say it's impossible for our egos to comprehend the v- vision of our soul our soul is a multi-dimensional really timeless persona and and so our soul has a perspective of our lifetime this lifetime this life our soul has a perspective of what this life might become and yet if we consume 100% of our consciousness living in our heads on social media, life in the fast brain, um, where inspiration from our heart and our soul can't land, can't get a footing in our persona, we're really limiting a much bigger potential for ourselves to be able to uh, slow down and tune in and and listen to the perspective and the vision that our soul has i think a lot of us are here to be very powerful players in this very powerful time in the human narrative and to really be powerful to really be powerful is, is, comes from not operating from strictly an ego point of view. And then there's the, the notion of our heart, a passionate heart, a passionate, a passionate heart. When our heart is on fire and our heart uh, can engage our life and change the dynamic of our life, in a powerful way, a lot of times our egos can become intimidated by a powerful heart, a passionate heart. And to teach your ego to, to not grab its pants when the heart starts to show up in a more, more and more powerful way, that's one way that we can um, teach our ego to allow our heart to be passionate, to allow our heart to be powerful. And and the idea that for myself, I grew up in a in a Western uh, traditional Christian household where there's this big ass God in the sky. And she, uh, so how many times have we talked about the imprinting of a child? When I was a child, God's this big-ass dude, and he's got the reins. He's got the power. Who the hell am I? Who the hell am I to do squat when there's a big-ass God? God is powerful. God, God, God is the big cheese, and God decides the whole damn rodeo. Bull Pucky it's not that way at all god god is not going to come down into physical form and change the whole dynamic in a in a blunt and powerful way it's not going to happen that way so where the hell does the power of god show up on planet earth where the hell does the power of god show up on planet earth For the most part, I'd say through the human persona, through the human persona, if you, um, in order for God to be powerful, well, uh, that that suggests God's power fluctuates, but in order for God, the uh, power of God to be, uh, the power of God to be powerful in the human dynamic, in the human narrative, is for individuals to, I guess I'd say, channel the divine, channel God. I'm channeling God. Uh, If God is unconditional love, then I'm channeling unconditional love. If God has a vision of, of what the potential of the human narrative can be, I can be a vehicle, a portal of that divine vision. So I become a portal of divine potential through my own persona, through my own persona. So so Gandhi is there, and here's, here comes the British Empire. God doesn't come down as a glowing orb and smoke the British war machine with a wave of the wand. Didn't happen that way. This scrawny little lawyer, Gandhi, as a vehicle of the divine, as a vehicle of the divine, through his persona, changed the course of a flippin' nation. This scrawny little lawyer changed the course of a flippin' nation through his own persona. Do you have a persona? damn tootin you do have a persona is is divinity within you the yes god is within you now god's not saving um god's not saving our asses by showing up like and 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 taking the challenges away god's saving our asses by us tuning into the divinity within ourselves and then showing up as a personification of the divine potentials of that persona, which would be you. Every time you say, divine mother, divine father, show me a, show me how I can be a bigger vessel of compassion for humanity, you better buckle up. <laughs> Cause you'll start getting bigger and bigger visions of what your life might be. Hey, here you are. You're at the end of the show. Here I am, Les Jensen, the host. I want to thank you for showing up for yourself. I want to thank you for. I want to thank you for putting the effort in to listen to podcasts like this that help grow your sense of self. So we can we can show up in more and more powerful ways through our own uh, really divinity. So. Thank you again. Thank you again. Until next time. I'm your host, Les Jensen. You've been listening to a new Human Living broadcast. If you're a spiritual seeker, you're going to eventually bump up against your relationship with God, especially if you grew up in some of the more classic Western religions. Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior, is a spiritual book written for spiritual seekers to help them heal their relationship with God and more fully embody their own life purpose. Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. Get your copy. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Thanks for listening. Until next time.